Welcome to Construction Cashflow. I'm your host, Stu Davidson, and if you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you work with people who value what you do, who think and feel the same way that you do and believe in the same things that you do, that relationship will prosper. You've got to work hard to identify who those clients are or main contractors are. When you get to a kind of situation where you know the fit is not right, then the best thing to do is don't play the game. You know, it's their game, they change the rules. If the rules don't suit you, don't play the game. Came in, I said to my client at the time, just watch, further down the line, you're going to be in a call soon. And they got the call, and it was basically, love what you're doing, you're doing great work for us, but we need you to take a 10% cut on your fees. And my client saying, but you love what we're doing and you know we're adding value and you know you really like it and your people like working with us. Yeah, yeah, we know that, but you know, everybody else is taking a cut, you need to take a cut. So I got the phone call from my client. You, know, you were right, this is what's happening now, what do I do? I said, Your call, your business. But if I was you, I would walk away because the phone call will come further down the line but we'll be asking you to take a further cut. And what happens is they become a bigger percentage of your turnover, and then you're, you know, you're, you're caught. You know, you can't walk away, and you soon end up working for nothing. He took a very brave decision at the time and said, "Thank you, I'm walking away." And he walked away. That was fine, and it was absolutely the right decision for for his business. Not that long after, this client came chapping on the door again and said, look, you know, we made a mistake there, really like to work for you. And, you know, my client did go back and start work for them, but, you know, it was never taken advantage of again. You know, it used to really surprise the hell out of me that some of these big corporates didn't actually have a clear strategy. And if it did, it was in the chief executive's head and it wasn't shared or communicated to anyone else. And, and I just, you know, as I say, it used to astound me. Nothing surprises me anymore. In this show, we ask our guests to tell us their story. Tell us a little bit about their background, how they got to where they are today, how they develop their product, their services, their ideas. And we discuss how that can affect construction cash flow and other areas of construction and also to give us an idea of how we might make things better and give you a few tips and ideas to take away with you and listen to the end where you'll find out more about them more about our guests about what motivates them what inspires them and hopefully that'll inspire you too and always don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. In this episode, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Paul McDevitt. Paul originally had an academic background in economics and finance before quickly moving into construction, which he has many years experience. Paul became the regional marketing manager for Maxwell Construction back in the day and then went on to become an expert in construction business turnarounds, marketing strategy, and business strategy. 
Paul now runs the Positive Action Club for business leaders and company professionals. And so it's without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Paul McDevitt. Hi Paul, it's really great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm well, sure. Nice to be here. So tell us about your story. Tell us uh, how you got to where you are now and maybe some of the challenges that you faced along the way and some of the successes. Okay, um, yeah, I'll I'll try and summarise that. It's been quite a long and varied career. Um, I started off my background in economics with finance. Uh, I was going to be an accountant, um, but kind of seen the light and decided after I completed my degree that that really wasn't for that wasn't for me. Uh, I was then offered a job uh, as a marketing manager for a regional contractor, um, and I kind of wasn't sure about it, but I took the job um, because it was you know local to where where I lived. I said to my wife at the time, "I'll give this six months and then I'll get a real job." Um, I spent two years with that contractor. Uh, I was then headhunted by a company called Mansell, which is now part of the, the Balfour Beatty Empire. Uh, and I spent six years with Man- at Mansell as their regional marketing manager for the business in central Scotland. Uh, I was part of the new senior management team uh, that was brought in to turn around a, an ailing business that had lost a significant amount of money the year before. Um, I helped uh, develop the strategy that turned that business around, you know, within a year we were back uh, back at break even and within a 18 months we were one of the best performing divisions in the whole of Mansell and we managed to sustain that for the next uh, three years, uh, which was which was really good. At that point in time, um, I wanted to do an MBA and Mansell very kindly agreed to, to fund it um, and they were dangling the carrot, they were going to make me a director. Um, unfortunately, I got made redundant. Um, unbeknownst to me, as uh, the Mansell family wanted to get their money out and put the business up for sale, and I was seen as a, a an overhead, um, which was a bit disappointing. But you know, these things happen. So at that point, I was in the midst of an MBA, got a wife and two kids to support, and uh, I decided this is the best time to start up on up and on. So I set up a business consultancy specialising in the construction industry called Business Fix. Um, and we, myself and a, a business partner, ran that together um, for the next kind of fourteen years. Um, that was a real challenge. I mean, we worked across the across the industry. Uh, we worked with contractors of all shapes and sizes. We worked with architects, engineers, quantity surveyors. We worked with the professional bodies, the trade associations. We even worked with the Scottish government. Um, so you know, with a real, really good understanding of what what it. Um, to, to be successful in the, in the industry and when we kind of first started out we were um, helping businesses develop their marketing strategies as we were both chartered marketers uh, at the time uh, and what we very quickly discovered was not only did they not have marketing strategies, didn't have any strategies at all, um, but we helped uh, businesses start to develop their strategies, um, we get heavily involved um, through um, obviously when the financial crash happened it was all about winning work, so we got on board with that. Um, we developed a, a number of training programs to help people complete um, tenders and PQQs. Um, 
And we were really successful at that. We ended up helping businesses win over two billion pounds worth of construction work. Um, so, so that was really good. Um, I say, you know, the financial crash was a challenge for everyone, and you know, we we had days where you know we lost contracts or you know projects were cancelled because clients couldn't afford them anymore. And so, you know, it was it was it was a challenge for everyone. But you know, thankfully, we came through that. Um, my business partner, significantly older than me, decided he wanted to kind of start to, to wind down. Um, and at that point, I'd get offered a, an opportunity by a client of mine, um, a mechanical and electrical uh, business, who asked me to go away and think about what I wanted to do and what it would take to to get me to join. So it's not often you get the opportunity to design your own role. So I joined that. Um, this business was part of a, a larger, larger kind of global technical services business. Um, they owned six different um, businesses in the UK. Um, and after about a year uh, or so, I got promoted onto the main board of that of that business. Uh, and I spent the next kind of um, five years there, um, you know, leading um, the marketing function initially. Um, and then I set up a, a building advisory service. Uh, division, which was basically a data management company, so that you know that was really good. Um, but I say after five successful years, we decided to depart company, um, and I fell back into consultancy again in two thousand and twenty-two. Um, so set up my own consultancy, picked up a a few clients. Um, a few of them are kind of turnaround situations, so um, I'm really enjoy that kind of stuff. I've got a few non-exec director roles. Um, that I'm involved in again, which I, you know I really like. Some of them are, are startup companies, so you know I really do like working with young entrepreneurs and, and helping to, to you know shape their um, the future kind of direction. Um, and more recently, in the start of 2023, uh, I launched a new business called the Positive Action Club, um, which is basically a virtual peer-to-peer support uh, network for business leaders from the public, private and third sector. Um, so, yeah, exciting, exciting times. Um, it's not been easy to get here. Um, there's been, you know, a number of setbacks uh, kind of along the way, but, you know, these things are sent to challenge you and you can either curl up in a ball and feel sorry for yourself or you roll the things up and you get stuck in. And I prefer to get stuck in. Yeah, so you an amazing long career, huge amount of experience, and you must have seen it. You must have seen it all from you know looking at turning businesses around, um, small businesses, larger businesses, and what what do you see or what do you look for? The first thing you know, if you look at a business, um, maybe it's got some trouble, some problems. Uh, what is it you you kind of look for when you go into a business uh, with the business owner? Uh, in terms of looking to turn it around, if it's turnaroundable, that is. Yeah, no, not you're right. You know, not every business is is, is you know salvageable. Um, uh, it all comes down to people. Um, you know, I'm a great believer in, in in values, so it's looking at the values of the the you know the, the leader, you know, the management team. Do they have you know a a, a good set of values? Um, are they similar to my own values? Because um, if they're not, then you know. It's unlikely to be a kind of productive relationship. So that's what I look at. You know, I look at, you know, do they have, um, you know, a clear product offering? You know, are they good at what they do? Um, and if they kind of tick all those boxes, then, you know, there's a real there's a real opportunity to do something uh, with them. Uh, what I kind of find is 
you know, a lot of businesses get to a kind of situation, they've been really successful, and then something changes in the marketplace and they don't really know how to um, respond to it. Um, you know, again, over the, the the number of years I've been in the construction industry, you know, people are really, really good technically. Um, you know, they're good architects, they're good engineers, you know, good contractors. Mm. Doesn't mean to say they're necessarily good business people. Um, you know, and you know, the as I say, we work for for businesses from one man bands up to some of the very large corporates. Um, and you know, it, it used to really surprise the hell out of me that. Some of these big corporates didn't actually have a clear strategy. And if it did, it was in the chief executive's head and it wasn't shared or communicated to anyone else. And and I just, you know, as I say, it used to astound me. Nothing surprises me anymore. You'd think that a large corporate that got to that size would, would have a strategy going forward. But, you know, nobody's too big to fail, are they? I say, I, it used to be before I kind of got involved and, in business, I, I used to think, you know, that anyone that was running a business was incredibly smart. Um, and, you know, I've came across businesses and people who have been unbelievably successful. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, just luck and timing. They've been in the right place at the right time with an offering that, you know, is in demand. And that's that's fantastic. But, you know, we all know nothing stays the same. Circumstances always change. The market changes you know, recessions come and go, and it's how do you respond and adapt to them. And, you know, what I kind of find is a lot of businesses don't have that ability to adapt. They stick to what they know, um, and the ones who thrive are the ones who can adapt the best to changing circumstances. So, you know, as I say, when I get involved with a business, you know, does the, does the business leader have the passion for what they do? You know, are they prepared to, to roll up the sleeves? And if they are, then, you know, you've got something there to, to work with. Um, and, you know, as I say, the, the chances of success are significantly higher than someone who is kind of wedded to, you know, the way they've always done stuff. Um, mm. you know, what's, what's the worst thing in the, uh, in the world? You know, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've absolutely got to be, we've all got to be flexible, you know, particularly with the pace of technology now and, 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 and machine learning and, you know, to even to keep up, keep, keep pace, you know, and be flexible. The world's changing so much. There seems to be a groundswell of movement and interest in what holds up cash flowing construction. And it, it, but it's been very, you know, I think, the construction industry punches well below its weight in terms of wealth creation and the slow payment culture. Um, what what do you see? I mean, how can a business that's in the construction industry improve its? I improve its on one side of the fence. If it's a down the chain as a subcontractor, how can it improve its cash flow uh, when we've got long payment terms? But also. Is there anything we can educate higher up the chain, you know, the funders, developers, main contractors, in terms of actually it's your benefit to pay quicker? Is there anything in that mix, do you think, that would make it better than it's been traditionally at all? As you say, the kind of current situation, I don't believe sustainable. Main contractors, they survive on the, the efforts of the specialist contractors, and without them, it's unlikely to have a, have a business. Um, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense that, you know, they, they, they kind of they introduce these long payment terms, you know, they don't pay, they try and look for discounts at every opportunity. Affectionately known as subby bashing, 
in my view, such a short-term uh, philosophy. I do think the industry really struggles, and I've seen this at all levels across, you know, all sectors of the of the industry. I think there's a serious lack of commercial awareness within uh, a lot of organisations. You know, they don't understand the contracts that they sign. Um, they sign up to terms and conditions that are, you know, absolutely ridiculous. They're totally skewed in favour of the client or the main contractor. There's no doubt there's clear evidence that a lot of these contracts is now, you know, a, a tactic in order for uh, the main contractor or the client to, to make money. And, you know, as a, and it's a, unfortunately, it's at the expense of others. So, yeah, I think, you know, the industry, because of its fragmented nature, it's easy for unscrupulous clients or unscrupulous main contractors to take advantage what people need to do is, you know, they certainly need to be much more commercially aware. They need to know when to be able to walk away. There are always opportunities out there. You know, my view is, and you know, I've mentioned values. You want to work with people who share um, similar value systems to you. If you don't, then you know the likelihood of the relationship being, you know, mutually beneficial is zero. If you work with people who value what you do, who think and feel the same way that you do and believe in the same things that you do, that relationship will prosper. The trouble is you've got to, you know, you've got to work hard to identify who those clients are or main contractors are. But it's definitely worth doing. And when you get to a kind of situation where you know the fit is not right, then the best thing to do is don't play the game. You know, it's their game. They change the rules. If the rules don't suit you, don't play the game. Yeah, great, great advice. And I'm seeing that advice coming through more and more. And it does seem to be that movement now where, uh, you know, subcontractors are being encouraged to walk away, being encouraged to say uh, no, being encouraged to get somebody to have a look over the contract for them. Subbies will say, "Well, yeah, it's the only got, it's the only job I've got. I don't want to rock the boat, and I know it's unfair terms, but I'm going to sign up to it." I mean, how do you get somebody to really uh, believe in their own value in terms of what they provide as a service or a product? It's very much a mindset. There's, there's no doubt it is a, is a mindset. I mean, one one of the first things I ask, you know, clients is, "How do they add value?" Why do, why do clients come to you? And you'd be absolutely amazed the number of people actually struggle to be able to define that. You need to know how you add value. Um, and if you don't appreciate how you add value, then you know, somebody's always going to find a way of taking advantage. You know, if you don't know what your, 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 kind of, your, your worth is, then you, know, you, you, you start, you get drawn into these you know, stupid games and you end up playing a game that you're, you're just never going to win. Um, once people actually add, you know, realise that you know they've got value, um, and you know they can make a difference, then I'd say you start working with like-minded organisations, then your chances of success, you know, they will appreciate what you do, you know, they'll see the value and that you add to to their business, um, and you know they'll recognise that you know if they want to be successful, you need to be successful too, and it should be a win-win situation. And if it's not a win-win situation, then you know, my view is walk away and I accept, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and, you know, on the sidelines and say, just walk away. You know, when you're sitting there and you've got bills to pay and, you know, people to pay, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. But, you know, at some point you do have to make a decision 
Uh, and yep. you know, if you don't walk away, then it can be the difference between surviving and, and not. Um, so sometimes, you know, you just have to face reality. You know, there's plenty of examples out there of you know big organisations who, you know, I had I had a client once who was an architect, got a phone call from a retailer saying, "Really like what you're doing. You know, want you to come and work for us. We've got plenty of work for you." So the client said, or my client said, "Yep, that's great." So they started working. They were doing, working really well, getting plenty of you know plenty of turnover from from this client. Then the, the phone call came, and it inevitably came. And I, I said to my client at the time, "Just watch. Further down the line, you're going to be in a call soon." And they got the call, and it was basically, "Love what you're doing. You're doing great work for us, but we need you to take a ten percent cut on your fees." And my client saying, "But you love what we're doing, and you know we're adding value, and you know." You really like it, and your people like working with us. Yeah, yeah, we know that. But you know, everybody else is taking a cut. You need to take a cut. So I got the phone call from a client. You know, you were right. This is what's happening now. What do I do? I said, "Your call, your business." But if I was you, I would walk away because the phone call will come further down the line. Where we'll be asking you to take a further cut, and what happens is they become a bigger percentage of your turnover, and then you're. You know, you're caught, you know, you can't walk away um, and you soon end up working for nothing. He took a very brave decision at the time and said, thank you, I'm walking away. And he walked away, yeah. that was fine, and it was absolutely the right decision for, for his business. Not that long after, this client came chapping on the door again and said, look, you know, we made a mistake there, really like to work for you. And, you know, my client did go back and start work for them, but, you know, it was never taken advantage of again. And that's a really, really good message, Paul, that uh, hopefully the uh, people that are listening will take that on board. It takes a little bit of bravery, but mm -hmm. if you recognise, as you said earlier, if you recognise your own value, understand why you stand out. And really it comes back to what you mentioned earlier. You look at the marketing and the commercial side that, that many construction and, and professional businesses don't have they don't necessarily work with clients who are a good fit. They don't know how to work out whether they're a good a, a good fit. And they become commoditized. And, you know, I've fallen for it myself in my quantity surveying business in that I've allowed myself to become commoditized at times that, oh, I can get a QS down the road for half the price. And it's very difficult when you're in that situation to to actually feel that you have a value. And, and I think I've progressed now to, well, if you're saying that to me, you don't really value the, what I'm bringing to the table. So we're Sorry. probably not a good fit. So let's walk away and then look for a client and focus my marketing on clients that see the value in what I do or would rather work with me because they like working with me and I like working with them. Yep. And we have something of value for each other. But... I think the thing to realize is not everyone is going to see your value and it's being able to determine that at an early stage and walk away, like you say. I'd say it's easy for me to kind of sit here and say, you know, this is what you, what you should do. Um, you know, when you're, when you're, as you say, you've got bills to pay and, and, you know, staff to pay, you know, that, that's, that's, that makes these kind of decisions, you know, much more, much more difficult. But I think, you know, you've got to be, You've got to kind of do your do your homework. You've got to know what you know an organisation's reputation is in the marketplace. With technology now, it's 
you know, you just need quantity. The internet, you can find whatever you want to know about an organisation, whether, you know, they're good, bad, you know, how often are they in court. You know, these things are, are readily available. You know, so if you know and you hear in the marketplace or you're talking to other subcontractors or suppliers and they're saying, look, you know, we're struggling to get paid here, just don't do it. You know, yeah, you might have to work a little bit harder to go and find, you know, a decent client, but, uh, you know, I say, just don't play play the game. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a really decent client, then you know the onus is on you to make sure that you build that relationship. You yeah. know, that's mutually beneficial, and that you know whatever work you know the streams they have, they come your way because you know you're you're good for one another. You're there to support one another. You know, through thick and thin, and those those opportunities are there. Those clients do exist. Um, you know, I, you know, I go back to you know when I worked at Mansell. Mansell worked for, and certainly in Central Scotland, for you know, a large number of the universities. And there's one particular university. You know, we dug them out of holes. I don't know how many times. Bent over backwards. You know, accelerated programs. And you know, you're working for peanuts compared to what you know, other universities were, were paying. And we eventually took the decision. Sorry, to, you know. We're not, it's not a level playing field here, you know. We're a national contractor and we're competing with one man in a, one man in a van. We just, you know, it's just not just not sustainable. So thank you very much. Yeah. Don't send us any more opportunities. And yeah. That yeah. Fine. It clearly didn't go down well, but you know, that was a commercial decision we took, um, and it was absolutely the right commercial decision because, you know, we were getting phone calls from their project managers to say, you know, this is a disaster. You know, why are you guys not working? You know, we like working with you guys. So, well, you know, you know the situation and until circumstances change at your end, we ain't playing the game. Um, eventually, the university come back and, uh, you know, the terms we got and the margins we could make were, were improved. But there was still, you know, there was nothing compared to other universities where at that point in time we had the opportunity to negotiate, you know, uh, opportunities and if you get the opportunity to negotiate you're going to take something where you you know you, you're competing against you know five ten other people no chance great advice paul um so i i think there's quite a lot to be said for uh companies or or small business owners collaborating together and talking about you know who are good clients or where, where's the best markets and and really getting the voice out there because i think clients you know when they know that uh um subcontractors or contractors are being a bit more selective about who they work with you know they've obviously clearly got to improve their game as well and say look with this supply chain is not about us and them this is about working together as a team i think it would change things so what uh, so tell us a bit more about the positive action club and why you set that up and and what's it for uh, who's it for what what's it uh, set up to to do the positive action club is was set up for decision makers regardless of sector or, or industry if you're a decision maker you have a, a problem or a challenge that you face whether it's you know you and your role or you know the business faces then the Positive Action Club basically brings six other um, like-minded individuals together on a monthly virtual call, um, and they are there to help and support one another uh, develop uh, 
resolutions to, to those to those issues. It's based on a program that myself and my business partner developed way back in 2005. We were asked to tender for a pilot program that was run on behalf of the Sector Skills Council, CITB, were project managing it. Um, and there was three pilots, one in Scotland that we ran, one in Nottingham, one in Guildford. At the end of the process, um, Henley Management College independently evaluated the programmes. Um, and at the end of that, they said ours had developed or generated the best engagement levels and the best outcomes for participants. Now, positive action is based on the principles of action learning, which is a tried, uh, tested and trusted process uh, of engagement. Um, you know, and you know, peer support has been around for you know since mm -hmm. the 60s. So you know, it's it's recognised. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's it's maybe it's more recognised in the continent than it probably is here in the UK. Uh, but that's that's changing. Um, so the club we decided, you know, at the end of the the, the program, the idea was that the government would fund um, these programmes on behalf of the sector skills council. Fortunately, the money wasn't available, so that didn't happen. Uh, my business partner and I then ran a, a number of programmes through the course of 2006-2007, um, where we had over 60 business leaders uh, participate from, as I say, all sectors. Uh, and the, in the pilot programme, we had an architect, a quantity surveyor, a financial services company, an accountant, an uh, international digital animation company, a clothing manufacturer, a craft baker, you're kind of sitting thinking, you know, what are these guys going to learn from one another? But it became very, very apparent very quickly that the issues were all the same. The scale complexity might be different, but the issues were the same. And, you know, and that, you know, that diversity is, you know, what makes the Positive Action Club uh, so, so effective. So, as I say, we ran the programmes. Um, the 60-odd business leaders went through it. And we... The successes were, you know, superb. We've seen businesses pull back from the brink. We've seen businesses double, treble in size. We've seen businesses uh, develop new markets, you know, enter new markets. Um, people sorting out succession planning. You name the issue, you know, positive action club can help you can help you deal with it. Um, but at that time, timing is everything. Um, we, the programs were going well. Unfortunately, or the financial crash happened. Um, and these programs were expensive to deliver. You know, you were taking people away from the office for, you know, you know, probably six days over the course of kind of six months. Um, they were held in hotels. There was catering. It was expensive to expensive to run. And at that point in time, the only thing that mattered was about winning work. That's all companies were interested in. And, you know, so we decided to part the program and go away and, and help our clients win work. Um, and, and we did that. So when I kind of set up again in 2000 or in 22, I was kind of thinking, you know, what did I enjoy? What was, you know, the most effective thing I'd been involved in? Um, and it came back to me, Positive Action Club. You know, I, I loved it. It was a great experience. I learned so much from it. I met some, you know, fantastic people. Um, and I just thought, you know, that, that was brilliant. But I kept going back to it was expensive. You know, how do we make it work? And, and it kind of dawned on me, you know, we've got, you know, if there's anything positive come out of the kind of pandemic was, you know, the ability for people to, to work remotely and, and mm -hmm. you know, the technologies, you know, 
progress significantly. So, you know, these kind of sessions are, are much easier to, to hold. And I thought, you know, that's going to make it much more affordable, much more accessible. So I'm going to set this up again. I went away, I spoke to previous participants to ask them their opinion and views. Um, and the feedback I got was, you know, what's taking you so long? Um, you know, you, sh you should have been doing this years ago. And yeah, probably should have, to be honest. But, you know, the feedback I've been getting, I've been talking to a number of, you know, individuals, um, everyone I've spoken to, you know, can absolutely see the see the merit in it. Um, I've spoken to a number of industry bodies and trade federations. And again, you know, they are really supportive and, you know, they're going to help me um, promote it to, to their members. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's kind of hopefully, well, hopefully there is real exciting times, uh, real exciting times ahead. So how could the uh, listeners find out a bit more about the Positive Action Club if they, it sounds amazing and I think it's really, really important uh, forum to have and particularly I can't think of anyone more experienced and, and more qualified to run one as just do a good self and I think they'll get a lot out of it from you and from uh, each other and, and as you say, business has many facets. Construction people tend to look at, I'm a constructor first or I'm a chippy first or I'm an electrician first or an architect might say I'm an architect first or a QS might say I'm an a QS but that doesn't keep them in business does it it's can I do marketing do I know about business can I read the balance sheet what's my exit strategy because sometimes we hold on to our businesses like they're our our baby but it's not that's not a business is it you you your business has to run on its own you have to think about can it I always think set a business up as if you're going to sell it and then you get the systems in place how how could they how could they find out more about the positive action club paul uh, uh, the visit visit the positive action club website you know www.positiveactionclub or one word.com um there's plenty of uh, information there there's testimonials from previous participants um we're also running uh uh, on a monthly basis, uh, taster sessions where people can register, fill out the form on the, the website. Um, they can register to attend one of the free taster sessions and they get the opportunity to see the, the process uh, the PAC uses uh, in practice. They can also hear um, previous participants share their experiences, what they got out of it. Um, and, you know, as I say, they get the opportunity to, to kind of really ask questions and participate. So we held our first taster session uh, last week. Um, it was very well received and uh, um, we've got a number of people who have, have expressed interest. So, yeah, I'm really encouraged by that. Um, if people want to, you know, have an informal chat, then my contact details are on the, on the website. More than happy, no obligation, no hard sell. Just talk it through. I recognise, you know, it's not going to be for everyone, um, but equally I recognise being a being a business leader or being a decision maker can be a very, very lonely place. I experienced that myself. As I say, setting up consultancy, you know, before I'd worked with a business partner, this time I'm out mowing and I kind of, I did, unfortunately somebody pointed out to me after I said I thought I'd lost my mojo. They said, no, you haven't lost your mojo, you just don't like working on your own. And I'm thinking, you know, hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. And I'm pretty certain there's plenty of other people out there like me who, you know, find it find it difficult and they don't have anyone, yeah. you know, to, they can kind of turn to. And the beauty of PAC is 
you know, everyone's there to support one another. It's a safe, it's a friendly, it's a non-judgmental environment. Everyone's there to support one another. Everyone's there with their own issues that they want to deal with. Um, and PAC helps them, you know, peel back the layers. What we find is you know, people come to the table with an issue um, and it tends to be a kind of symptom of a, a you know, a, a more do, uh, deep-rooted kind of uh, issue. And PAC helps them peel back the layers. It also, PAC encourages people to create a personal action plan that they share with the group at every virtual session. You know, they then go away and work on that. There's one-to-one coaching uh, involved in PAC as well. So you've got the opportunity to share with your coach, you know, if there's any issues, uh, implement your action plan. There may be issues that you don't particularly want to share with the group, but you do want to kind of air them. And, uh, you know, um, so as I say, the one-to-one coaching is there. And that combination of, you know, the, the group sessions and the one-to-one coaching creates a really powerful driver for change. And what I'll do, Paul, I'll also put a link to the PAC website on the construction cash flow website as well with the with the recording for the podcast so they can contact you via that as well thank you very much yeah. much appreciated yeah. oh you're welcome so paul have you time for a quick fire round yes give it a go first question then how do you start your day get my alarm clock for, for seven o'clock every every morning um usually i, I manage to beat that if the weather's good i like to uh, either go out on my road bike or I get on the turbo trainer uh, and I'll go out and do uh, 20 miles, come back, shower, breakfast. Yeah. And by that time, I can almost feel that I've done a day's work because there's no better way of just kind of thinking and planning, you know, what's ahead of the day, you know, how you're going to deal with you know, whatever issues or challenges you have that day, you know, and it really gets you focused. So, yeah, that's what I like to do. Don't get me wrong, if it's raining, I'll just go into my a sunroom and go on a turbo trainer. Well, I'm a fair weather cyclist. When are you most productive? Uh, morning. I've always been a always been a morning person. As I say, I usually beat the alarm, and on the occasions I don't beat the alarm, I, I don't lie about and you know put the alarm on snooze. I'm straight out of bed, and I'm ready to go. So yeah, morning's always a, the best time for me. What's something new happening in your life right now? Um. Not new, but uh, but a year or so ago, I bought a, an, an old villa on the, on the Clyde coast, and I'm in the process of uh, uh, refurbishing that, and that's uh, really challenging my uh, DIY or lack of DIY skills. I mean, really challenging, but we're getting there. What does adventure look like to you? Um, by nature, I'm a... Um, I'm not a traditionalist, so I like to try new things. You know, I like to go new places. Um, I really do like, you know, meeting new people. So anything new, you know, anything that kind of takes me out of my comfort zone, um, I'm happy to give it a go. What thing would you love to do that might surprise your friends and family? Hmm. Lots of things. Um, I'd love to go or try hang gliding um, I love flying um, I love the sensation of flying the only slight downside or drawback is I'm incredibly scared of heights and the older I get the, the more scared I get even driving over road bridges now 
I find myself trying to hold my breath and white knuckles. So how I'd ever manage to hand glide, I don't know, but I'd love to give it a go. Name a challenge you overcome that changed your life. Um, I think uh, getting made redundant from Mansell was, uh, you know, I didn't see it coming. Um, as I say, the, we're dangling the car and making me a director, paying for my MBA. Um, and, you know, it came for a real kind of bolt from the blue. Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd got a couple of job on offers and it was actually my brother-in-law said to me, because I talked about doing my own thing. He said, see, if you don't do it now, you'll never do it. But, you know, the timing was not ideal. You know, a wife, two young kids, a mortgage, um, and having to pay for an MBA. But what it did do is it helped focus the mind and it shows you if you focus your mind, then you can achieve most things. Who or what inspires and motivates you? Um, I think, you know, what inspires me is, you know, people you know, who face adversity um, and then, you know, they prevail through you know the determination or because they've got a strategy or a plan uh, I'm a big uh, football fan uh, so at the moment I'm a real um, advocate of uh, Ange Postacoglu from Celtic you know he inherited a shambles of a team um, he came in he was written off he was a total unknown in the, on the in the UK um, he came in with his own style he stuck with it the results initially were not were not positive and the media was absolutely on his back and, you know, suggesting he would be gone by Christmas. Um, that season, they won the league um, and they won the, they won the League Cup. Um, this season, they've been, you know, he's stuck by his principles. He's got playing really, really attacking, free-flowing football. It's great to watch. Um, you know, okay, they didn't do particularly well on, on results-wise in the Champions League, but, you know, for 60 minutes, they were all over uh, Real Madrid. Um, so, you know, they're playing really well. They're nine points ahead in the, the league. They've just won the League Cup. Um, they've got the opportunity for the treble. And, you know, fingers crossed. But as I say, there's a man, sticks by his principles, believes in what he's doing, and, you know, he isn't going to get distracted. And I think, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's a, a great example. And it's, you know, it's true in sport as it is in life and as in business. What does success mean to you? Freedom, choice. You know, it's an opportunity to, to do the things you want to do. Um, it's an opportunity to, you know, give something back, to get involved in things. You know, if you've got success, you, you know, and you're, you're financially secure, you, know, you don't need to, you know, kind of play the game. You can be independent. You can go and do your own thing, uh, whatever that, that happens to be. So, yeah, that's what success means for me. What advice would you give to your young self? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many a time I've said uh, don't get involved in the construction industry, but no, that's that's not true. Um, <laughs> as I said to my wife, you know, I'll give her six months, I'll get a real job and, 25 plus years i'm still i'm still heavily involved in construction and you know i wouldn't change it for the world it's a it's a phenomenal industry my advice would be believe in yourself um you know surround yourself with 
uh, positive people. Um, and don't take yourself too seriously or take life too seriously. You know, life's about having fun and sharing it with, you know, like-minded people. Um, so, yeah, I think initially you've got to believe in yourself. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for that. What an amazing story you've got. So much experience, story, and motivation, inspiration. I know I've taken some away with me as well in terms of what you've been saying. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. You've been listening to Construction Cashflow. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, so you never miss an episode. And remember, the faster cash flows, the faster wealth grows. And don't forget, if you enjoyed the show, give us a rating and review.